Hi, I'm April. And I'm Sam. And welcome to Current Climate. Join us each week as we learn more about what we can do to help the natural world with small changes and big actions. Welcome back, everyone. It's episode six. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We're going to kick it off with a recap of our challenge last week, which is probably the best I've ever done. Ooh, love to hear that. Yep, yep, because I didn't go anywhere. Um, (laughs) You don't need to pick up a nice iced coffee when you're not going into work. Um, (laughs) No, but it is such a habit to get in the car on a hot day, wherever you have to go, and drive right to Dunkin', (laughs) get a small iced coffee, and live your best life. Sunroof open. Sunny's on, <laughs> ice coffee in hand. That's my vibe. Honestly, that's and a look too. Like that's stylish. It's a look. It's a vibe. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Um, and and so that was something I was actively fighting the whole time. I was like, you know what would be so nice right now? You know what would be so good? <laughs> little iced coffee and I had to be like no there's no refillable uh and I can't get a plastic cup but it made me realize that if we were doing this outside of the pandemic where the challenge was to bring a refillable cup to mm. Dunkin or Starbucks or Tim Hortons what um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some McDonald's. third coffee, McDonald's. <laughs> they got a they got like a two dollar iced vanilla coffee, and I when I'm on a budget, I'm not mad about it, you know. No, I I used to enjoy one of those until I got one that was far too milky. M- McDonald's, more like milk Donalds. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? Wow, <laughs> don't come at me. Um. <laughs> But so I think this challenge would have been a lot more difficult if I had to remember to bring a cup everywhere. It is much easier to drive, like drive by a place and just be like, okay, I guess I'm not having coffee today or I'll have tea in my desk, in my mug, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to drive by than to be like somehow a put together enough person at seven in the morning to remember to grab my cup. Yeah. And honestly, there's been times where like, I really am like, oh, I'm going to prioritize like making sure I have my reusable cup. And this was way easier when I had my office job because I left it at work and then we'd like walk over as a group and we all had one and we all handed them over, you know? So it was like very like within the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Otherwise, it's like I'm all about the drive-through. I've said it before on this podcast: like, the less human interaction, the better. <laughs> oh so, yeah. So I've said it in, the, in this podcast, we've said it in our lives. <laughs> um, as someone who's not a hugger, this pandemic is, you know, there's a silver lining here. <laughs> yeah. Everybody remind like, everyone. Oh. oh. Oh, social distance. Oh, don't touch me. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, we can't hug goodbye. How sad. And I'm like, I didn't want to hug goodbye anyway. <laughs> it stresses me out. I think about it the whole time. About the <laughs> hug. I plan for it. 
And now I don't have to do that. It's amazing. But now planning for coffee is a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cute I, that you guys would all take your mugs. I know. It was, there were a few different things that like we all bought <laughs> because someone else bought it. And one of them was like the $2 cheapest Starbucks reusable like iced coffee cup. Love that. Yeah. Well, and you're so right about like the being prepared thing. People who have a very strict like zero waste lifestyle are known to have like a backpack or like a bag that they always take that always wow. has like all the different things they could possibly need. God, and, I bet they have backpacks. Yeah, and you really need to because it's like you need to be prepared for a hot drink, an ice drink to-go food, you know, forks and knives, a water bottle, like all of that stuff that people just buy out and about and then toss because it's convenient. It's like people who are very, very strict need to really be prepared. I've never been at that level. Won't lie to you. <laughs> but, um, but I, like, I admire it for what it is. Like, I don't like carrying a lot. <laughs> I know that that's not going to be realistic for me, but it's like. Backpacks it's- don't look good on me. So, well, they have some cute ones. They don't look good on me. I think, I mean, kind of to your workplace in, environment with people all doing it, I think that's got to help so much. Mm-hmm. Being surrounded by other people who are committed to it first, or at least not going to say something when you do it. Because, right. you know, so many people's friends would be like, Oh, like, like to make fun of people who care about the environment, like your people associate it with like femininity and like being emasculate. So like when men bring reusable cups, I feel like they get made fun of. And it's just like, what a weird thing to associate gender with. Yeah, um, I and think so you're it's totally so right. cool that you were in a culture mm-hmm. that everybody had them, the cheapest ones. Think of how many cups you guys saved. Yeah, and everyone was thrilled to get the 10 cents off each time because, like, we were going almost every day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes. I saved 50 cents this week. Like, <laughs> so you're saving a cup every day, and no one's getting made fun of because you're all doing it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully people can feel comfortable with it. Um, I do have some really cute reusable cups that I would like to try and use again and again, reuse, if you will, um, (laughs) at a coffee place once the pandemic is over. Mm -hmm. Because I do think this is great. And when you really think about how many cups you save, what a stack of 10 cups, two weeks of coffees looks like right that's pretty substantial yeah yeah it's like you remembering something and like that's the thing if you forget it sometimes like you don't need to beat yourself up if you save four cups that week instead of five that's still something even if you save two so did you just have hot coffee that your boyfriend made or what did you do this week um okay so I said I did great I'll say I kind of cheated (laughs) <laughs> so yes had at home hot coffee mm-hmm. but also those little starbucks canned double shot espressos oh yeah 
which, okay, not great for the environment, but aluminum is the most recyclable material. There you go. So considering plastic, uh, you know, cups, single use cups are garbage, not even recyclable. Mm-hmm. I think my aluminum can coffee is a fine substitute. It really is. Or even like, you know, like they sell like cold brew concentrate. They sell them in a bigger plastic bottle, but it's, I think it is recyclable. So it's like even doing that yeah. is going to be It's recyclable better... and it's like eight servings or something in there. Right. So. Yeah. So it's like even that is a great option and, and it will help people save money because you are paying more per time if you're, you know, going and getting a cold brew every day. Um, yes. Yeah. So these espressos were like, mm, like a dollar twenty-five a piece. Okay. Which, That's like, I don't even think you can walk into a Starbucks if you're that broke. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> They'd yeah. stab you at the door if they thought you were trying to spend a dollar twenty-five. <laughs> They'd be like, "Excuse me, Milk Donalds is down the street." Well, but otherwise, I think it was okay. I think it was sustainable, more sustainable, and I think I saved some some cash probably. Yeah. Um, so what's funny is I was like, oh, this is going to be harder for you because like I haven't bought coffee out in a while. And then I was going to go to the grocery store with my husband and I have a Starbucks gift card that still has like a teeny bit left on it. And I'm like, hey, let's go to Starbucks. I can use this up. And then he's like, is there your challenge this week to not get coffee to go? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, good for him. <laughs> I was like, that's right. Like I haven't gotten to go, go coffee in like a month. And then this week is when I was like, oh, let's do that. <laughs> well, so that good. was funny. Good. I'm glad something you wanted, <laughs> you were not able to have. Yeah. I specifically wanted an iced chai latte with coconut milk. Oh, wow. oh well, I lived and I made cold brew this week, um, which I've been doing, which is why I've been able to avoid getting to go coffee. Um, if anyone's curious, I can link it on our Twitter. I actually filmed my process. I have like a pretty great system for it, I feel. Um, I bought this thing that looks like a French press, but it's bigger and it's for cold brew. And it was like 10 bucks and it like gives me enough cold brew for the whole week. And then I just do that once a week. I just make it and it's awesome. So if anyone's curious, I'll tweet that little video. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. So send it to me. <laughs> I will, will do. Okay. Will do. I mean, or I can see it on our Twitter, I guess. <laughs> I can send it to you personally. There's no problem in that. Oh, okay. Okay. You, you have my number? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I'll double check with you after. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... Because I've, it took me a little while to figure out a system that works for me, but that works really great in the summer. I use a pour-over coffee system in the winter because I'm the only person in my house that drinks coffee, so it doesn't make sense to make a whole pot. And yeah, so I, I'm happy with that. Oh, I made a, um, like a frappuccino with my cold brew this week. Ooh. Yeah, I have like a little blender thing and I put ice in there cold brew concentrate a little bit of milk and then a hot cocoa packet (laughs) and I blended it up and it was like it was pretty decent 
Oh my gosh, honestly, how like, clever is that? Well, thank you. It was less sweet than the ones at like Starbucks or wherever, if you get like a frappe, um, which I preferred. Like, that, it was nice. Well, that's good to know. You got all the tips and tricks for oh, yeah. at-home <laughs> coffee. That is my first time doing that. And I wasn't even thinking about the challenge. But then I was like, oh, look at me, like, doing these special at-home things this week. And missing my latte. <laughs> <laughs> Our next segment today is grab bag. I'm going to reach into the bag of environmental information and pull out a tidbit to share. And there was some major news this week that I wanted to cover. So back in 2007, a House Select Committee was formed on energy independence and global warming. And it was doing its thing, you know, learning stuff about energy and global warming, all that. And then in 2011, it was disbanded because of the Republican majority in the House. But it came back in 2018 full force and they've been doing so much research they talked to like over 700 people um all different kinds of experts so for example experts like elected officials tribal leaders scientists business representatives policy experts public health public health advocates youth activists and individuals representing communities on the front lines of climate change so that's pretty cool lots of you know a diverse group of people to learn from and just this past week they released a report called solving the climate crisis the congressional action plan for a clean energy economy and a healthy and just america so that happened on june 30th did you hear about this by the way um i saw headlines about it but i didn't really look into it I'm excited about it, though. Yeah. Because, like, the economy is inherently tied to all things climate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times you get industry or business people and they're like, we can't follow regulations. We need to make money. We're so (laughs) poor and helpless. (laughs) And then you have environmentalists that are like, we don't need money, man. We want to grow our own food. And like, you know, I feel like a lot of times you get these like two very distinct groups of of people that think you don't need the economy or like Mm -hmm. the two things can exist, can be examined separately from each other and they can't. Right. So hopefully this is good for that. Yeah. And I, I think that it is, um, So because we have a Twitter account, currentclimb underscore, (laughs) um, (laughs) I've followed a bunch of um, nonprofits that work on, you know, climate change. And so this was all over the place on Twitter um, on the 30th. And so I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. Let me look into it. And it is exciting because it is, you know, over a year of work. Um, that this committee has been putting in and really trying to represent everyone in America and find a plan that works for everyone. And 
the report itself is over 500 pages. So I did not read it for this, <laughs> but there's some really wow. great resources. <laughs> Someone didn't do their homework. <laughs> um, there are great resources that I did look at. And if anyone's curious, I will link the summary of the report in the show notes. The goals the report lay out for our country is to reach a net zero greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. by 2050. And this is a goal that is actually becoming more and more standard. But I think um, I read an article from Vox.com and they were saying how a lot of times when people talk about that, they just are talking about carbon dioxide emissions. But this report is saying all greenhouse gas emissions. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Because, yeah, like net carbon, a lot of times people will use it and they'll just be like, oh, like, we'll plant trees or we'll purchase carbon credits. And then mm-hmm. technically our company, our state, our whatever is carbon neutral. That- and that doesn't solve the problem. Uh, and it doesn't address greenhouse gases. Right. Like it's, it's a piece of it, but it's not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice that there's this very detailed plan now about how we could do that. And then another goal is to help the economy recover by investing in clean energy. We are in an economic crisis, so uh, it's good to see how that's intertwined. Just like you were saying, they are so intertwined. Um, You can have a solution to two problems with the same thing, basically. And then... Yeah, and I've always talked about, like, how the next phase has to be, like, a green industrial revolution. You know what I mean? And I like that. That sounds sounds sexy. You know what I mean? Like when people talk about the industrial revolution, they're like, oh yeah, that time. People love the industrial revolution. Oh my gosh. Yeah. History (laughs) professors eat that up. Mm, (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, child labor laws. Yes. (laughs) Henry Ford. Yes. Mm. You know, (laughs) and so this, you know, could be green and a hundred years they could be like AOC yes right uh Elon Musk yeah you know that could be what history teachers are talking about I mean it has a lot of goals but kind of the final major goal of the report is to show how to address the environmental injustice persons of color and low-income communities face so that's great that's all roped into all of it so you know, that's a climate thing and an economic thing, and specifically looking at climate justice and environmental justice, because we've talked about it a lot in the past few weeks. It's just happened to have come up that there is some major environmental racism in this country. So it's really cool that this report is addressing that as well. It's fantastic that for this next wave of change, more opinions are being taken into consideration. Like even the list you said at the beginning of the 700 you know, types of people that they um, worked with for the research on this. I mean, the communities that would be most affected by it were included. Youth were included. That's a big one that gets overlooked. Children are our future, you know what I'm saying? And then, of, of course, minorities, who a lot of those communities have bared the brunt and the disparate impacts of being built near these uh, you know, factories or incinerators or what have you that 
have led to climate change and led to poor health. So if there is going to be change, it has to include everyone. Everyone has to have a spot at the table. Exactly. Well said. And I just want to share a quote from their press release, um, the committee's press release on the report. And it says, according to an independent analysis, the Climate Crisis Action Plan would save more than 60,000 American lives every year by 2050, thanks to reduced air pollution, as well as nearly $8 trillion saved through 2050, thanks to health and climate benefits. And they do cite how, because of how climate change hurts people's health, it's expensive in the healthcare industry. So it's also very connected to that. And this is so potent right now as we see, like, you know, coronavirus is really highlighting all the flaws in our systems in America. And we've definitely seen that public health um, is a huge issue. So it's great that they're addressing that as well, like, in the same breath. Like, this is going to save people's lives and it's going to save money in the healthcare industry. So the plan has 12 pillars of action. And then each of those pillars has, like, subsets to more like properly describe those action plans but i'm not going to read you the list um i will include links and resources for that in the show notes um but the to sum it up they did put in the press release kind of like four bullet points that like sum up those 12 pillars so just really quick um the climate crisis action plan calls on congress to grow our economy and put americans back to work in clean energy jobs protect the health of all families, make sure our communities and farmers can withstand the impacts of climate change and protect America's land and waters for the next generation. So I like that. It's, it really kind of sums up four different branches of environmentalism in a way. Yeah. And I'd be curious to read what it says about water because they just rolled back the WOTUS rule, the waters of the United States, which is like, if anything, project you're doing could have an impact on a tributary or groundwater or whatever that would lead into a river or the ocean it was considered to um be a water of the united states and so then it was protected and you had to go through like a whole study thing for it and they would just rolled that back saying that of course like that regulation was a burden (laughs) on Uh, companies freaking what was that the uh the boot of big government on companies backs yep yep (laughs) i think ted cruz said it best (laughs) (laughs) report came out on june 30th and then the next day on july 1st they announced that the Moving Forward Act just passed, and this is a infrastructure package that reimagines a more sustainable and equitable transportation future. So this act is following the advice of this report and thinking about the environmental impact and the public health impact and, you know, the equality impact and all that. So I think it's really great that right away we saw some action related to the report um, indirectly, but it's all about really thinking through our infrastructure in our country overall and moving forward in a more environmentally friendly way because that's going to benefit everyone in the long run. Yeah, and if now we have the opportunity to make these major changes, 
we gotta seize it. We gotta, we gotta make the change. Okay, so now we're gonna get into lit litigation. Uh, you guys can help us decide whether this litigation is on fleek or weak. Yes, we're gonna keep going with that tagline because oh, it yeah. rhymes. And wow, how young does saying on fleek make me feel? Very Not young. Even- I don't know. I don't think young people say that anymore, though, April. I think the youngest people say it. And <laughs> look at me. I just said it. So is this on fleek or weak, Sam? Sam and others, please tweet us. Um, anyway, so this litigation, um, it's kind of been resolved. So it's not ongoing. Like the last one we looked at um, was people, towns, suing oil companies. This one is various conservation groups like the Sierra Club and Earth Justice suing the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Mm -hmm. And technically, technically they sued them back in 2016, um, requesting that they take legal action on defining uh, the protective class of the wolverine. So they sued because they at least wanted the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to do a study on the wolverine to see if it should be classified as an endangered species. Um, In 2016, they said they should take all the necessary routes to grant legal uh, protection to the wolverine at the earliest possible defensible moment in time. And they stressed that for the wolverine, that time is now, in 2016. Well, four years later, no one has looked at the wolverines. So I have a question, a clarifying question. What's the the difference between a wolverine and a wolf? Because, like, I'm just picturing Hugh Jackman right now. Yes, so that's a fair picture. You can continue to think about Hugh Hugh Jackman. Or um, a wolverine is nothing like a wolf. Mm. whatsoever so let me give you a couple nicknames to see if that helps paint a picture okay and and i'll give you a description too from one of the websites um so we've got (laughs) mountain devils gunk bears Mm -hmm. (laughs) the largest land-dwelling members of the weasel family oh my gosh i love that Right. So as you can see, they're nothing like wolves. Um, They're actually adorable. They really do kind of look like large skunks, but less fluffy. So I think a skunk bear is a pretty accurate name. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I just Googled it. Very cute, right? Oh, wait, don't click on images, though, because then you get pictures of Hugh Jackman. No, very dangerous. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to get pictures of wolverines biting the spines of deer because they do that. They're small. They're 20 to 40 pounds. They jump on the back of their prey and they, they ride them around. Very cute, but biting them less cute. (laughs) Yeah. Deadly. Adorable, but deadly. Um, well, so they're the largest land dwelling members of the weasel family. Very interesting. Would not have expected weasel family. Um, but weasels are kind of vicious, so I guess it makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. And so their territory used to be um, like all over the United States, uh, New Mexico to the Rockies, um, the northern tier of the United States, just like all over the place. And now there's about 300 of them left. Damn. Um, yeah. And they're only in Idaho, Montana, Washington, Wyoming, and Oregon. Only 300 left when they used to be such a huge thing. And it's from, you know, so they are vicious. You definitely don't want them if you're a farmer or a Mm -hmm. rancher or something. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is from being poisoned, being trapped, being, you know, just shot on hunts or whatever. Um, So that's why their population is so depleted. But as we've talked about before, most animals kind of hold a place in their ecosystem that's essential. They're mm-hmm. either helping control populations or they're feeding other populations or important things are symbiotic with them, surviving mm-hmm. because of them. So we really, you know, as vicious as these things are, uh, you know, you don't want them to go extinct. And I feel like they don't get a lot of attention because they are vicious. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot of, like, great qualities that communities can see from them. Um, and so even though they're cute, not cute enough to be saved. Right. It's like looking at them on Google Images, adorable. Living yeah. with them in your backyard less adorable right having them eat your chickens or attack your goats or whatever not cool those weasels you know (laughs) but so in 2016 the u.s fish and wildlife service was told they had to at least like look into protecting the wolverine um uh designating it as an endangered species uh being the ultimate goal four years later they haven't done anything. So the conservation organizations that filed the original suit um, brought the suit to court again uh, this past March um, to, to make the agency take action. So now um, it was a settlement agreement, so it's not ongoing litigation. It's been settled. But, you know, the last trial was settled as well with them having to do this so just because the settlement agreement says they have to do it by august 31st of this year doesn't mean they necessarily will um but so that's what it says the the u.s fish and wildlife service has to decide whether wolverines um, in the united states should be protected under the endangered species act by august 31st And so I wanted to choose some litigation that tied back into climate change. And, you know, so it's the wolverines are, their population is shrinking not only because of poison, trapping, killing, but because pregnant female wolverines dig into snowpacks to make their dens. Snowpacks in the mountains, that's why they live kind of in the Rockies and other mountainous regions. Um, They dig in the snow to 
give birth and raise their their babies. Um, so since that snow is melting and snowfall is declining in those areas, they're losing their habitat. And so that's leading to less wolverine surviving birth and being raised um, and less female wolverines from being able to find dens in the first place. So they face a lot of threats um, because of climate change. And if the government certifies them as an endangered species, they um, get certain protections that could help rebuild the population and slow climate change um, if we consider certain things to be violations of, of those protections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so generally when you protect, um, when you designate a species as an endangered species, you are saying that no one is allowed to harass, harm, pursue, hunt, shoot, wound, kill, trap, capture, collect, um, or attempt to engage in any such conduct or sell the animal or trade the animal alive. Um, all of that is against the law. And you also can't interfere with vital breeding and behavioral activities for that species. They really cover their bases. I, I like that. It's, it's a pretty good law. Um, and it saved a lot of species. And so there's a way where if the wolverine can be classified as an endangered species, we could make the argument that climate change or regional climate change um, is interfering with their breeding habits. And we may be able to hold these corporations responsible for that, just Ah. as we're kind of trying to do, yeah, for sea level rise and stuff like that. I don't know whether that would be successful. because, you know, the sea level rise case was nuisance. I'm not really sure how you could bring a climate change suit under the Endangered Species Act. But um, so that's kind of what's going on in this litigation. 300 wolverines remain. There's not a whole lot of pressure to save them because they're so dangerous. Uh, the... U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was probably not going to do it anytime soon because they were originally told at the earliest possible moment in time, which is not that strict. So hopefully this settlement agreement uh, leads to them giving a designation or at least doing a review by the end of August. If they don't, there's some more actions. You have to bring a motion. Um, to compel them to comply with it, with the order, and we'll see what happens. If they were to not do anything with the wolverines by that time, if they were, uh, if they don't start an investigation, if they don't have a report, if they don't have a designation, then it might be time to call your representatives, call the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, tweet it, mention it log about it you know get it a little bit more attention Mm -hmm. because animals like the wolverine will never be treated like pandas right they will never be treated like elephants these Mm -hmm. beautiful animals that are just majestic and 
poached for, you know, whatever, their skin, ivory, fur, whatever, they're never going to be treated like that. And we need to protect all species, all types of animals, if we want to have that biodiversity going forward. So what do you think, Sam? Is this litigation to force the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to survey the wolverine uh, and decide whether to designate them as a protected species? Is this on fleek or weak? I want to say weak only because I want to do more. I want to send Wolverine the X-Men to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife offices. Yes. And let him, let him know the situation. That would be pretty on fleek. But since he's fictional, I will say this litigation is on fleek. To finish off this episode, we will discuss our challenge for this week. What do we got, Sam? We are going to attempt to take shorter showers. So what's that? A 10-minute shower? Is short? Could be. Could be. Okay. So what I was thinking, <laughs> what I was thinking is for the first day of the week, we can put set a timer, you know, on our phone and find out how long our shower is just normally. And then from there see if we can cut off like a minute per day or something or maybe just like attempt to make it shorter and just see at what point we're comfortable with that length and maybe see if we can get in the habit of taking a shorter shower but not feeling like a freaking hassle you know what I mean like not feeling like a burden because basically I was looking into this and um it said that most most Americans shower for approximately eight minutes. Now, 10 minutes is more than that, but that's a-okay, April. Yes, it is. Anyway, so with a standard flow shower head, it's about 30 gallons of water for an eight-minute shower. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you take just a few minutes off your shower, you have the potential to save, like, 10 gallons of water. That, so, that takes some real planning, though, you know, because there are different types of showers. Mm-hmm. You know, like at the start of the week, you better have your your shampoo shower and your skincare shower and your shave shower all in the one. So then, you know, the next day you don't have to wash your hair. And then like the next day you don't have to shave. And then like, oh my gosh, but by Thursday, which is going to be one of the shorter days, it's time to wash your hair again. <laughs> It's time to exfoliate again. And now you're down to a seven-minute, five-minute shower? I don't know. Well, so It takes some planning. Yeah, and it certainly does. And, like, one of the things is I do think, realistically, people take, like you're saying, like, people take different length showers at different times. Me, for an example. In the summer, I hate hot weather. I get sticky. I feel uncomfortable. And I tend to take two showers a day. Um, I will take a longer shower where I actually wash my hair and, you know, soap up. And then I take another shower where it's like me just rinsing off and maybe I use a little soap. But like, it's probably like a two minute, three minute shower, honestly. 
And I love my second shower in the summer. I do not want to <laughs> say goodbye to that. Um, so I do want to try to shorten the one where I actually shampoo and condition my hair um, and maybe even shave or what have you and like figure out if I can shorten that comfortably and like get in the habit of it having like just being like even two minutes shorter. It's like you have the potential to save a lot of gallons of water per week like that adds up and it's not something we really think about either like I've never thought about how many gallons like I don't it doesn't seem like a lot when you're standing in the shower so um so what are you gonna do about your second shower you're keeping two showers a day and you're setting this challenge yes because self-care is the priority (laughs) right 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 very true so I'm not suggesting we do this, but this article also mentions um, Navy showers, which is if you're on a ship in the Navy, you have to take showers by turning off the water while you're using soap or shampoo and turning it on to rinse. So like you get wet, turn off the water, shampoo, soap, all that, turn the water on, rinse off because they only have so much water on the ship that can be used. I hate that. Yeah. But I love it at the same time. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like, how funny. Yeah. So, like, that takes some discipline, and it certainly isn't um, hashtag self-care. But, you know, like, I, you know, maybe sometimes I'm standing in my second shower just a little longer than I need to. You know what I mean? Maybe I can cut it down to, like, a minute. And that would be fine because I would feel comfortable after I'd be rinsed off and I'd be comfortable. And that's what I really care about. Um, I will say I offset the summer behavior in the fall and winter when I honestly often shower like every other day, um, just because I'm not like getting sweaty and stinky and gross, you know? Like, yeah. And it's better for your skin in the winter. Right. And then that shower with hot water as much. And I, you know, sometimes I don't shower my hair every day. In the summer, it's like my hair gets sweaty even. Like I get grossed out <laughs> by it. But for the most part, it's like the rest of the year, I'm showering a lot less. So that also helps me feel a little bit better about my water usage in the summer. Um, and, it, and it just, I just want to be freaking comfortable, you know? <laughs> you just want to be comfortable. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think this is a really good one to try. I might even try a Navy shower once. See how it is. I'm thinking about it too, honestly. It seems funny. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be good for shaving because I do shave my legs in the shower. And like, that's, I don't even think about it, but that's pretty wasteful. It's not like I'm actively using the water during that time. Right. If I turned off the water while I'm shaving a leg and then I turn it on to rinse that leg and then I turn it off to do the other leg, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that could work and I wouldn't be too uncomfortable, especially since it's warm right now. Like, it's not freezing in my house like I can stand wet for like a minute (laughs) yeah so so I think I'll give that a shot cool we'll try it I think that'll be a good challenge for this week I think the cup one was a good one for last week and we'll see if we can be just as successful with this yeah and let me know what like next week when we meet we discuss let me know the time you started off at and at the end of the week, how the difference and, you know, even if it's a difference of 30 seconds, that's something that's, I know we'll, we'll see <laughs> if I have a day where it really is just like an end of the day body shower. You know what I mean? My hair is fine. Uh, 
I only have like the one face wash to do and then body soap. Like those are my quickest. I wonder how quick my quickest shower is. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. If you are listening, play along at home. Try to shorten your shower. Tweet at us. Let us know what your how many minutes you take off, if any, what it was like. Um, you can email us too. Our email is currentclimatepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our Twitter is currentclimate underscore. So we'd love to hear from you. And if anybody wants to bet who can take the fastest shower, I'll bet anyone. <laughs> I'll beat you. I'll win. If there's a dollar on the line, I will take the shortest shower. <laughs> Ooh, it's getting interesting. Yeah, feel free to Venmo me now. <laughs> also, please, if you've been enjoying the podcast, give us a rating and review on iTunes, you know, Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. And, you know, if you don't have Apple, no big deal. I don't have Apple either. But what you can do to help us out is share the podcast with your friends and let them know that it's, you know, it's fresh. It's fun. It's not a big downer. We will cover the tough topics. <laughs> it's but fresh. It's fly. It's hip. It's all the adjectives that are positive. It's all of the above. So feel free to share us. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Bye.